Testing one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, it's recording, so I'm happy. Welcome to Language Talk KWLA. This is your host, Laura Rocha Youngworth, and today's topic is a big one. It's curriculum. Joining me to discuss this hefty topic is our producer, Jean Marie Rouye Willoughby from the University of Kentucky. Hi, Laura. Hi, Jean Marie. How are you doing? Not bad. How about you? Pretty good. Um, I know throughout the years, having had new teachers, student teachers, and so on, and then working at Fayette with teachers coming in, the first question you always get asked by a teacher is, what do I teach? Thus, you know, they're trying to ask curriculum, right? Right. And it's, I think that's always on a teacher's mind. And then as a teacher becomes more experienced, they start to hone their craft on what they're teaching. So curriculum is something that a teacher throughout his or her entire career is probably number one, maybe classroom management and so on, instructional practices. But it's right up there of what teachers think about. So we wanted to really talk about this topic today. And curriculum is a word that um, has a lot of different meanings. True. Yeah. So like last night, I was doing some searches. And there's different ways to categorize curriculum and the curricula you're using. So one thing that I remember in my uh, undergrad studies at UK is you have your four camps, psychological camps. Mm -hmm. So maybe you have curriculum that's social, information processing, personalist or behavioral. Yay, I paid attention. (laughs) (laughs) So you have those four types, but I don't think I'm going to be truthful. Most teachers don't think I'm doing information processing in my, you know, it's just I believe that's true. Yeah. But I think most teachers, if you talk to them and start pecking away about their thoughts and their philosophies about teaching and learning, you could probably peg which camp they're in, right? Yes. So that is important, and it comes out in the curriculum usually unbeknownst to a teacher. It just kind of appears there. So, like, I know I'm social. That's really important to me, and I think UK, that's a... It's extremely important yeah. to us, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's kind of, you come through UK programs, you probably have that leaning mm-hmm. bent, and, and, you know, it works for me. Um, other curriculum uh, topics that'll come up are categories, and these I love. They're always ones I like to talk to new teachers about, but you have the overt, you have the hidden, you have the societal, the null, <laughs> which I think is awesome, the phantom, and so on. So you have these different categories, and... Um, I don't know if you know more to add to that, but there's a long listing of them. Yeah, the debate, of course, about how a curriculum is structured is one of the, it's essential to any program, but it's especially important in world languages because curriculum often evolves from the way you approach the question of how are you teaching the language and what are your goals for your students. That's a good point. So uh, if we look back to what we call the classic 19th century model, grammar translation, what does it mean to be an educated person, you have to read four languages, five languages, whatever. And reading is the key for your research development, for your intellectual development. Um, And obviously we want our students to be able to read and write, but we also want them to be able to survive in a different culture and speak, listen, and do what they need professionally, ultimately. And the question is, how does your curriculum get you there? Right. Right. So in the past probably 15 years, a lot of uh, universities, UK included, have been considering what needs to be shifted so that we keep what we call the cultural core, the literary heart, um, but that we also make sure that there's a balance in the skills that the students bring to the table and, of course, leave with. 
Okay. Uh, because not all of them are going to become professors of literatures, cultures, and languages. Right. So if you are, you know, you teach Russian and other courses that folklore and so on, but um, if you are developing a new class and you've got to create a curriculum, how do you go about it at the college level? Well, we at the college level are kind of torn between two different uh, constituents, sets of constituents. The first are the language majors, uh, minors, international studies, those dedicated to mm -hmm. this particular area. Um, so a certain percentage of the courses have to focus on all four skills and making sure, and five if you count the cultural competence, which we do, um, making sure that they are ready to proceed to the next step, whether that's a professional career, whether that is going on to grad school, whether that's grad school in the end toward a professional career. But we also have to appeal to the masses <laughs> using our culture courses and lit courses often taught in English because that is one way that we um, contribute to the entire education That's good. of the well, university. Well, student, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but we also face the fact that our majors are in those courses and taking them as well. So when I develop a course, let's say my Russian folklore course, I obviously center it around East Slavic folk material, tales, epics, rituals, songs, etc. But most of the students in the class don't speak any Russian, so right. I can't do it in Russian. So I have a separate set of assignments that are for the majors alone. Will they get a different um, course code on their transcript? And you know what I mean? How? Yeah. No, they won't. Okay. Um, okay. But it counts toward the major, major. for them, mm -hmm. and it doesn't count toward the major for somebody that's else. That's good, it though. That's as fair. That's a gen ed requirement. Right. Um, and so. Uh, just to take one example, when they do their paper on folk tales, I ask them to pick the tales that they're going to analyze and read them in Russian. They then meet with me individually or in a small group, depending on how many there are, um, and we discuss the tales in Russian. I answer their questions in Russian. They are able to tell me um, about the tales in Russian, and then they have to cite them in Russian. So their, most of their paper, of course, is going to be in English like everyone else, but they have to cite right. in Russian. Now, uh, we do have some who are heritage learners or extremely advanced who have chosen to write the whole paper in Russian, and I'm not against that. That's great. But if I have a first-year Russian student, that, that's not going to be possible for that person. So uh, it's a juggling act. But the other question about curriculum is, why create the course in the first place? Um, Folklore is my particular area of expertise. Mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily offered, I think, to the detriment of language programs across the country at every university. But it is what I call the unspoken culture that helps you to understand daily behavior, the culture that is ingrained and unspoken and what it means to be a member of that society. Do you need the literature? You sure do. Do you need the art? Yes. Do you need the music? You need all of those things that we call high culture. So I'm hearing you build a curriculum right here as you're right. talking out loud. Okay. And that's how we do it. Okay. We sit down in a group of, you know, depending on how many professors there are, and say, what do we want our students to know? And what is new that we don't do currently do that we should be including? That's nice. That's nice. Well, that's... 
interesting because a lot of times, you know, at the K through 12 level, I, I hate to say it, we don't have the luxury of new courses. Exactly. We teach level one, level two, three, four, and if we're lucky, five, you know, some people are like, wow, well, you got a five, you know, no, it's AP, you know, and so on. <laughs> so it's, we often don't have those luxuries. I'm seeing them pop up in Spanish maybe here and there. Right. Um, I know our immersion schools in Fayette County, we've got some interesting courses like the seniors take um, a cultural studies, film studies class their senior year. And from what I've heard, it's the hardest class <laughs> they'll have throughout their 12 years, 13 years. So it's kind of cool. But um, it was interesting to hear you talk about how you, how you develop it. One of the things that I know becomes a focus for K through 12 teachers is that proficiency level of right. the students that kind of drives everything you do and for me that's where I always start is what's that proficiency goal and what does a kid need to learn to get there the huge difference is you were talking about a class as your example that you're learning the language through a content right and that's something that really hasn't migrated into the K through 12 programs in immersion of course because that's what immersion is you learn the target language through a, a core content mm -hmm. or whatever content. But for the traditional world language classes, the content is the language. Right. And it becomes, are we going to use some literature? Are we going to use music? Mm -hmm. and, and so that's really interesting. I didn't realize that till you were explaining that, that that's a huge difference yeah. in mindset between, you know, the university and, and K through 12 educators. But um, one of the things that we want to talk about today is there are some curriculum available for teachers online that are accessible to anybody, uh, that maybe not all components are accessible, that are free. There's things you can buy out there. Um, and one thing to keep in mind, and I don't want to go into too much detail of this, but there are different, um, I'm going to call them layers of curricula available. And two that we're going to talk about today, one comes from JCPS, which is Jefferson County Public Schools in Kentucky. I was going to say in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, in um, Louisville, Kentucky area. And the other is the new Fayette County Public Schools curriculum, and that's just K through 5, where Jefferson has the fully developed K through 12 because they're ahead of us, but we're catching up. And um, the curriculum that both schools have is a little bit different because um, who the intended audience is. So I know for Fayette, what we developed, and I'll talk about it later, it's intended for teachers only. It was never meant for a student to see. It, not that they can't see it, it's just it wasn't meant for them to see. And it's written at a very formal level, which is kind of like a, we're gonna give you some parameters, and you kind of flow how you want with this general knowledge where when you compare Jefferson, and we've got somebody here who'll talk about it in great detail, theirs maybe has a little bit different audience and maybe gives a little bit more parameters, I think, guidance because of what they've been able to develop. There's more things developed that, that guide a teacher and student as per what they're gonna learn. Um, both are great ways to go, it just depends you know, what do you want from a curriculum? What are you looking for? So joining us today is someone um, that we're excited to have. She's new to our show. It's Rachel Weinrich, and Rachel is from Jefferson County Public Schools, like I said, in Kentucky, and she is the World Language Goal Clarity Coach, which is basically a support for the World Language Specialist. 
Well, welcome, Rachel. Hi. Hi. It's good to be here. Well, thank you. We're glad to have you. Super excited, and um, we appreciate your time because we know you have a lot of things on your plate uh, being at the district level. But can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners? So I have taught for 15 years, more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, I started out kind of textbook oriented and uh, have gone more proficiency over the years. Um, I was a part of the original cohort of teachers that Thomas Auer and Greg Duncan um, trained to write the original JCPS curriculum. And then um, after using that and working with that and developing that further after um, some of that funding went away, um, we started working um, more individually uh, to help build into the level three curriculum. And then uh, about three and a half years ago, I uh, moved into this position district-wide. I've now worked uh, in immersion schools and also um, district-wide K through 12 all languages as curriculum and instructional support. Okay, that sounds wonderful and, and nice background. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> it's, it's longer now. A little bit, a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about the curriculum that JCPS has. First off, I was so excited to see the article. I think Jackie mm-hmm. Van Houten wrote it, and it was in the Actful Language Educator. And um, it just kind of you know warmed my heart that, yet again, Kentucky, yay, Kentucky, um, was showing and sharing. Not just showing, but sharing with everybody. It's not a curriculum that's locked down. It's available and you will walk us through how to get there in a second. But um, I was really excited to see that article and explained it pretty well. But let's pretend like no one's read that. Okay, so our discussion will be kind of going back to basics on it. So you mentioned um, you were part of the original cohort. So how many iterations of the curriculum has there been? We're basically on our third right now, working hard for our fourth. Um, we had a, the, the initial curriculum was basically um, just assessments with unit support um, and a unit outline that was, it's always from the very beginning been learner focused. We want the learner to have control of what they're learning and to know and to, to hold dear what they're taking on to the next unit and into the next year. Um, it's always from very early on has had a rubric attached to um, the, basically the K through 12 uh, series of units. And um, then we kind of tried to go into a performance-based learning, but the teachers weren't quite ready yet. Um, and so we kind of stepped back from that and just kind of made it feel like it was flowing more from unit to unit. And at this point, um, we've got proficiency-based units. We've got um, IPAs for each of the end of course assessments. Um, And we've really brought in the intercultural part at this point as well. Um, It's still learner-focused and there's still there at, at this point, we now have a support for each unit outline as well. So there's um, there are stamp pages and there are um, vocabulary and structure supports that prompt students to figure out what they're going to need to know in order to complete um, 
that learning series. Okay, so it's pretty healthy. Yeah. The the support there. So when, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking of Fayette County and I'm taking these little notes like, we don't have that yet. <laughs> we don't have that yet. But, you know, we just started last year and, you know, six months and you can only get so far in six months. But, you know, we're proud of what we have. But I'm just so jealous of how much you have for teachers to support them. And as you said, for students to see where they're going. And, you know, yeah. And we've we've also brought a lot of teachers along this road. Yeah. Um, the teacher, the teacher support is really necessary to get it done because they're the ones doing the work. Um, and so our elementary schools uh, have we've got a, a cohort of teachers who are working to constantly revise that elementary curriculum because that's based on the science curriculum. And now that Whoa, next generation, what? yeah. So really? the themes of our elementary school units are all based on the timing and the topics that are taught in the science. Nice. That's really interesting because um, one of the things that we did last year was begin uh, dual degrees in STEM plus language because we have more and more students who are interested in the international world but also want to do medicine, engineering, chemistry. Um, and one of the things that we have to create as a result are courses that are designed language for the professions. But if students are coming in already from elementary right. school... <laughs> and wait until you get our, like, four or five years from now students because that's going to be really exciting because we've actually got... Throughout our high schools, um, we have career-focused programs. So, for example, in Spanish, one of the really big pushes for this year is to create um, and begin our process of a Spanish for medical mm -hmm. um, careers course. Great. So there will be students graduating in four years who are who have had four years not just of Spanish, but of yeah. medical Spanish, um, and we are training teachers and you know helping to to fuse these ideas um, you know we've got a lot of other programs where there are exchange programs and things mm -hmm. like that but we're really um, trying to get that um, proficiency-based learning and also the you know careers well that gets back to our original discussion Jean Marie where when you teach the language are you just teaching language or are you doing it through content? And like, you know, Fayette's doing it. We might have a different word. We're calling it academies. Yeah, okay. it's basically the same okay. idea. And yeah. for those career foci. And so we've got two of our high schools that they're in academies. So everything that's being taught in that Chinese class should have this sprinkling and, and leaning towards you know, whatever. Our, right, and our goal is to, you know, kind of introduce some medical terminology at the beginning, um, and then by the time they finish year four of their Spanish for medical careers, they will be doing some practicum um, nice. out in the field. We're working with mm -hmm. um, community partners. Yeah. We've got uh, the Latino community working with us as well as um, one of the local yeah. hospitals. Yeah, we're super excited. Super excited. Our immersion uh, school is really looking into that as well. So, wow. We're, it's interesting how we're 60 miles apart. We don't talk to each other much, but we're doing the same things. Just amazing. Well, it's, it's all about making sure that the students have what they need. And if they yeah. want to be in the medical field, they need to be able to communicate in multiple languages 
about their field, not just about the color of their clothes. Right. Well, I want to break down your curriculum a little bit more. You gave us a good overview, but before we move on, where is it? How would someone access it? And I'm sure you have this totally memorized. Absolutely. I know you do. <laughs> okay. um, so the easiest way or the, the most straightforward way is just to email myself or Jackie Van Houten um, at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, dot Weinrich, W-E-I-N-R-I-C-H, at Jefferson, dot K-Y schools, dot U-S, um, or the same at with Jackie Van Houten, J-A-C-Q-U-E, dot V-A-N-H-O-U-T-E-N. Um, there are also, if you don't want to ask directly, um, there are some sites that have posted a link to that um, Google Drive account. So it is on a Google Drive, which is why I say email me first, because that's the easiest, and I'll just send you a direct link, um, or email us. And then, um, but I know I just looked yesterday just to double check, and um, Musicuentos also has a direct link, and there okay. were a couple of others as well. So if we go on JCPS's website, can you access it there? Not from JCPS website because the JCPS website is um, for JCPS. Um, so you need a JCPS email in, in order, order to, to access it. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. But if you access it through our Google Drive, you can see okay. all of the things I've talked about. Okay. Um, well, thank you for that. Now let's move on and kind of talk about it. So you gave us an overview of all the different pieces, components that are there to help a teacher mm -hmm. make their decisions and students knowing where they're going and have some choice in that. Um, you clarified that the curriculum is for teacher and student, correct? Right. All right. And so let me get a visual here. How many units a year? Let's talk about pacing and sequencing and so on. So how many units a year? So we have between three and four units um, per semester. Okay. Um, so six to eight per year. Uh, we started out with more and in general teachers have asked for fewer because they're wanting to go in deeper. Right. Um, it depends on the teacher and the class and the schedule, how fast they go. The fourth unit um, for basically each of the semesters is an optional unit. It's an interest-based unit, um, and it's a unit to really push the students beyond. Um, and then again, we've got some alternate units at this point that are teacher-created, um, that are proficiency-based. Oh, that's great. Um, so that's... that's uh, a real push for us. We're hoping to get more of those. We've got a couple of those um, up at this point. Okay. Um, and then along with each of those units, you've got that support. Okay, so if somebody goes into the Google Drive and mm -hmm. they see whatever unit, mm -hmm. when you click on it and open it up, what does it look like? So we've got the proficiency benchmarks at the top um, because that's how our grades are based. and. Um, so basically from there, everything else is derived. Um, and then we have the um, interpersonal, interpretive, and um, presentational can-do statements so that um, both this, the learners and the teachers can um, basically see, okay, what is it that I am gonna try and do? And then um, with each of those, there are, uh, um, spots for student for the learners to fill in 
um, what they want to be able to do along so that line. are those can-do statements, are they being derived from what? Are they coming from national standards, state standards? National standards, yes. Okay. And the national standards being based on our state. Kentucky standards. Yeah. Um, great but yeah, that's where, um, that's where they were derived to be. And then they, they come from a big picture, you know, what is it that I want to be able to do? Um, and then... Is it thematic, mm -hmm. each unit? Okay. Yes. All right. So keep on going. Okay. So, we're so then uh, after that, then there are the intercultural can-do statements. Um, and so with the intercultural can-do statements, that's where they're, you know, really pushing the, the unit structure itself is pushing the teacher and the, and the learners to go outside of the classroom and to really engage with the culture. Okay. And, okay, so we've got the standards. Are the intercultural, are they the new ones? Um, we are going through, because those are so new, um, one of the things, one of the goals for this year is to go through and double check those, make mm -hmm. sure they're right, and we're also gonna double check that rubric and make sure that that's still on target. Okay. Um, because with the new intercultural standards, we need to make sure that that's still aligning. Right, right, but they'll be pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah, just little tweaks here or there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what else might you see on this document? Is all is that all that? That's pretty much it. Okay. Um, for the actual unit overview, because the unit overview focus is to get the learners hooked into this idea, you know, to really get them thinking about what am I gonna be able to do with the language and with this culture by the end of this unit of study. Um, and then uh, then there's the grammar and structure, or the structure and vocabulary. Is um, that a separate form? A it is. Okay. Um, the structure and vocabulary support is really just support. There's a wordle um, at the top, so it looks like a brainstorming for the vocabulary. It is not a prescriptive. Whoa, what? <laughs> it's a wordle? Yeah. I love it. What was yeah. the reasoning behind that? Uh, because we wanted it to look like brainstorming, because it's not prescriptive vocabulary. It's it's ideas of things that we think you might need. But if you're interested in learning a different focus on that theme, that's totally fine. I am totally stealing that. I don't know how. <laughs> somehow, I'm stealing the idea of Wordle with with content. Like it it does take that's some awesome. some serious support with teachers. Um, to, and with students as well, well to explain that to them. Students, once they have seen it and worked with it a couple of times, embrace it pretty quickly. Um, it's less threatening. When you see a list, like you're like, oh my God, here's the vocab list. There's no engagement, it's nope. boring. The Wordle is kind of friendly, and, and since yours is student focused also, it's just genius. Yeah, love it. I'm teaching the MCL 100, which is our UK core, I mean, our MCL core beginning class for freshmen. And I am desperately trying to get them to leave their word lists out of their language learning process. They've been ingrained to do it. They, Sorry. It, they, and they hang on them and they beg for them. They yeah. beg our teachers who tell them, this is not good language learning. You need to learn in context. Words don't exist in vacuums. Words exist in units. Um, but they, I, I said just yesterday, what are the traits of a good language learner? And many of them said, having all the words memorized. <laughs> I said, okay, it's helpful to learn words. I am not denying it, but learning lists of words is not going to help you create 
Well, you know, when when I really got to the point of of appreciating the Wordle idea was when I combined the Wordle in class with um, brainstorming with graphic organizers mm-hmm. where I didn't tell them any words. I just said, I want on this graphic organizer 10 adjectives for your family and 10 for your school and mm-hmm. 10 for your friends and 10 for your favorite sport and you can't repeat any of them. And it was so much that they knew they couldn't memorize it all and so they just adopted the ones that they liked best. Yes. yes. And then they all, the whole class, learned a lot more vocabulary because each kid was was really using on a daily basis the ones they loved. Right. So that's that was... There, there's a little part of me, when I hear that, I, I agree wholeheartedly. There's a little part of me that if you have that graphic organizer and you put a circle in the center, there's that little part of me that I want to, as the teacher, put just five words there. Because there's a good chance Jean Marie won't do the most obvious, most used word, little small, you know. Yeah. And, and it's like there's that. So if, like, I did do that where the students could add, you know, to whatever categories. But I always wanted that core. And part of the reason is if I push these students on to the next level, and the teacher's like, your kids don't know the word little and small. It's hard to say. They never wanted to say those two words. <laughs> so, well, and see, you know, it's kind of like the canon. Like, yeah. there is a canon of vocab. I mean, whether we want to admit it or not. So it's kind of this darned if you do, darned so if where, you don't. So where I, how I kind of dealt with that as uh-huh. a teacher was that those were the words that I used. Oh, I adopted smart. those words. So I didn't that's force smart. them. I didn't tell them there was any, quote, unquote, necessary word. They didn't right. have to learn little but if I noticed that nobody in the class was using little, I would use little. That's smart. And then that was my word. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, if I felt it was important, that was what okay. I used yeah. when I was speaking. That's mm-hmm. good. Good. So we have overview unit focus. Mm-hmm. We have structure vocabulary support. And I assume there's some sort of, is there anything grammatical or is it really? It's re- um, yes and no. Okay. The grammar that's on that structure support is only grammar that is absolutely necessary mm-hmm. for the theme. And, and for then that be- language proficiency level, of exactly. course. Exactly. Right? Um, and so there are very few things that are absolutely necessary, especially for level one right. and even level two. You know, it's more written in terms of the specific things that you're going to have to know. And then they'll figure out the terms for that when they get into the higher levels. Say that again. What's it written to? The things you have to say in order to be able to complete the theme, but the the terms for the grammar that they're learning and using is what they'll get when they are at a higher level of proficiency. So that is a huge point you just made for those teachers listening who are K through 12, because Jean Marie walked through a curriculum and how it was developed in a way that's a little different than the K through 12 educators usually go about it. And if you are getting a curriculum that just really has learning targets and this wordle, for some teachers, they'll still go, but what do I teach? And figuring out, okay, this is what I want my kids to be able to do. This is the theme. Here's some content suggestions. It's still not enough. 
So that's a challenge I know a lot of teachers have, and that's when they turn and grab a textbook off a bookcase, and they find that unit, the farm unit, and they go in and they steal the st grammatical structures, the activities, and so on. And so I love what you said. A teacher needs to work backwards, obviously, from those learning targets, think about the real world, and break down what do my students need to learn in order to do that. And for that to happen, you know, you look at teacher effectiveness, and there's those three core principles that I just I share with all my teachers. It's you have to have deep pedagogical knowledge, and mm -hmm. that hits it right there. You have to have deep content knowledge. So if you don't know that language well and can't break it down, how do I get a kid from novice low to novice mid to novice high in Spanish, you're going to have problems. And then the third is that way you connect with students, you know, the je ne sais quoi. You can't learn that one. The other two you can acquire. But um, it's, I love what you said. So again, if you look at your curriculum, and, and we want to make sure listeners know this, it's not telling you day one do this, day two. It's, it's a higher level of curriculum. So you as the teacher have to figure out how am I going to get the students to that end goal. Right. And in fact, I'd say if we have one problem consistently with teachers is that they try to do too much in one day because they think they can deal with this can-do statement and that can-do statement and that can-do statement. And if, if I haven't dealt with four things, then I'm not doing a good enough job. Right. And in reality, it's giving the students lots and lots and lots of practice and input in that language to do that one thing in really different ways. Right. So that one single day may consist of only one single can-do statement. Correct, yeah. But practiced by the teacher and by the students in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, because it is, it is, it, daunting at first when you look at it and there's there's not an activity one activity two activity three activity four but if you break it down and say what what creative ways can i get input to the students and also lots and lots of output from them on this one specific idea then it becomes a lot more that's good manageable that's good but that's that's always a stumper for teachers it really is and that's when you do reach out to your specialists in your district or whomever and and your peers say okay how do i do this and you know everybody loves to help each other but i just wanted to kind of focus on that for a second um so is there any other supporting materials so we've got the overview unit focus the structure vocabulary support what else we, is available we also have a stamp page per what, what is unit. that what do you mean <laughs> so it's been misused and misunderstood for a number of years, but um, basically it's a breakdown even further of the can-do statements. And it simplifies the, the kind of bigger goals for the unit um, so that students can really look at it and grasp it and say, can I really do this and at what level can I do this? So if you teach the students the rubric really, really well so that they own that rubric and they know what it means to be at the different levels on that rubric, um, then they will look at that can-do statement on the stamp sheet that's really broken down into its minutia 
and say, yes, I can do this at the novice high level. Now that stamp sheet is also a guide for a teacher, right? It, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a number of teachers have taken to using it as a checkoff. Here's your grade. Um, but I'm, we're really hopeful that more teachers are using it to um, really help give ownership to the students. And again, um, all of the all of the stamp sheets have towards the end multiple multiple circles where the, the learners can write in their own can-dos, where they say, I'm learning about mm -hmm. sports, I like to ride horses, so I might put, add in my own that says, I can talk about a, an equestrian competition that I was nice. attended last week. Um, so, you know, each one gives that, that learner focus um, of giving control to them. Okay. So I would use it as a review um, towards the end of the unit. You know, I'd give it to them at the beginning, and then towards the end of the unit I would say, where where is your proficiency in all of these? And if you don't feel like you're meeting the proficiency goal for some of these, let's spend the next few days practicing those things. Nice. Really nice. Are there assessments? There are assessments, but um, I don't believe those are all public. However, right. we do love to share. Um, JCPS uh, World Languages is all about creating a better world language environment for the entire country. Um, so, you know, just contact us. Right. And you said those are in the form of IPAs? The uh, common assessments are in IPAs. The um, not every unit has a unit assessment. Most do, um, but the IPAs for the common assessments at the end of each semester um, have all of the parts of an interpretive, um, presentational, and an uh, interpersonal okay. um, portion that's all interrelated. And um, do you have IPAs for your K through five every year? No. Not yet. Or is your intent to have those? There's a reason why I'm asking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's okay. The, with the with the K through five, mm -hmm. um, that's really more of a developing, right. um, you know, and especially now with having to rewrite some of those because of the next gen changes. Um, and so they have some assessments, but especially with like kindergarten, it's really hard for them to read, period. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that changes, you know, K through five right. as you go through the years, what is available. Right. Um, and a lot of that, because of their scheduling, um, has been, the real focus has been on assessing those K through five students in a more um, natural throughout the class observa observation kind of format. Okay, okay. Um, and again, I'll get to why I was asking a little while. Um, it's more, I was thinking in comparison to Fayette and what you all are doing. Um, is there anything else available to a teacher or a student through your all's curriculum or does that kind of sum it up? Um, I'd say that pretty well sums it up. We do have, um, we've got the rubrics for all of the modes of communication um, as well as broken down for an elementary school um, friendly, more nice. simplified, um, with you know little images that uh, elementary school students are are more engaged with. 
Um, and we've got a uh, user guide, basically, um, to our units and our rubrics. Hmm. Um, and that is intended to help educators who are not um, affiliated with JCPS. You know, I do a lot of mentoring with uh, teachers within JCPS, but if somebody yeah. is not within JCPS, it, it's intended to help them you know, figure out what to do with these things. Oh, 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 okay. So <laughs> my list of things to do is just grown. It's getting longer by the minute. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> hey, no problem. that. <laughs> Anytime. Well, if anybody has any further questions, and I know you gave your email earlier, um, can you repeat that so they can yeah. contact you? Rachel.Weinrich at jefferson.kyschools.us. Again, that's spelled R-A-C-H-E-L dot W-E-I-N-R-I-C-H at jefferson.kyschools.us. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to. So, Jean Marie, next I want to kind of um, piggyback off of what Rachel shared and kind of share out what Fayette's done. We're pretty proud of it. And oddly enough, uh, when we began our process, we were asked to make a K through 5. Well, that's not true. We were made, asked to make a K through 12. And, you know, after I had a heart attack, I said K through 5 would be a great start. And we've purposefully started at the bottom so we can flow up with this new curriculum because when you flow down it just it doesn't work you know you've got kids who haven't learned what you wanted them to know so we're, we're flowing up with the curriculum and we spent last year um, researching choosing identifying what would a curriculum in Fayette County look like for world languages we didn't have Greg Duncan coming in um, we had a wonderful team and we met basically weekly for months developing all this. And one of the first steps, you know, I asked them to do was we need to look at what's already out there. Why recreate something if there's something beautiful? And I strongly encouraged the team to look at Jefferson, although we looked at other things. And we debated. We explored Jefferson's, and of course, Jackie was um, very giving of anything we needed. And we decided to create a curriculum that is Jefferson-like-ish. And it's <laughs> fully inspired by Jefferson. And we, I uh, think the team, I wish I had thought to bring them in today. Uh, one of the defining moments was we had a wall in one of the teacher's rooms that we always met in full of sticky notes where we had Jefferson's units all in sticky notes. We condensed it down to a sticky note unit, Jefferson. <laughs> and we started saying what we liked and what we didn't as how it would fit for Fayette County. The amount of time we knew our students had, the foci we have, Rachel spoke of science being a focus. Well, we haven't you know, had that and so on. So what we ended up doing was taking Jefferson's K through five units and breaking them down to only four a year. So we had to collapse some of their units into existing units we have. We saw return of themes like animals came up multiple mm -hmm. times, which is very timely and age appropriate. You know, I was sitting there as the high school teacher, why are animals being done three times? And they're like, cause kids like animals. And I'm like, that's why you're in the room because I didn't know that. So animals come up over and over, school comes up over and over, family comes up over and over, me, me, me comes up over and over. And we've got it down to where we have 24 units to be covered in six years. 
we are pushing very strongly in Fayette that um, knowledge of proficiency levels. So for our titles of our units, they are titled with no names and they are proficiency levels with a number. So for example, unit one is NL1, unit two, NL2, unit three, NL slash NM3, and so on. So as you flow up, you can see what your focus is on proficiency level. And as Rachel had explained, the documents they have available, the curriculum that Fayette offers all of their teachers in areas in which there is curricula uh, that's been developed for the teacher and courses, we have a curriculum that's categorized as formal. It's very just your overarching characteristics where a teacher can look at it and say, okay, I know what direction I'm going. Don't know how I'm going to get there at all, but I know the direction. So Fayette's kind of morphing into having a curriculum where we don't want to be too prescriptive. And with that said, we have kind of, we don't have all those documents Jefferson has because well, we're new, you know, new at this. We might adopt some of the ideas because I heard some things she said that I love. Um, but also, I want to give total flexibility to the teachers on how they approach this because to throw it, world language teachers in Fayette, guess what? You're teaching this curriculum. Wow. You know, floodgates, basically. So we did that. Our units are using a template that other uh, content areas use and kind of giving a visual of that like Rachel did. Uh, you open up it, you'll see the proficiency level as the title. The next thing you see is the big question. Uh, so the essential questions. What What is this unit about? We have two essential questions every unit and from those two questions you should get a feel for what the theme is. So you're going to pick that up through them. The first question is always language focused on what the kid can do with the language and the second one is focused on culture. So we did have um, access, I hope nobody's listening from ACFL, um, to the intercultural standards and uh, so we were luckily able to align at least with the draft form of them. So the second question is always interculturally focused. And we do have a title um, under the NL1 that will be on the document. And that, you know, is like um, me and my family or animals around the world and so on. So there is a title such as that when you open up the unit. And under that, you'll see the national standards. It's very repetitive every unit because we feel like you should do all 15. Every unit you're going to do. ACFL's national standards. So you'll see those listed. And then we start to break down further. What are the performance standards? When you assess, you do your performance-based assessments, what do we want to make sure you've captured? They're the vague ones. They come from our state, World Language Standard. Um, they are the, if you're looking at the state document, they're kind of the one that's more on the top of the page. So it's kind of vague, uh, which again gives teachers um, autonomy. Yeah, autonomy to do as they wish. As you scroll down further, we do break down into more specific standards. So we went through the learning outcomes and so on in the Kentucky standard and chose ones that we think would be helpful for a teacher because we know they should have those up on the board and so on uh, every day in class. And we do have those listed as suggested. And then at the very end, we do have content listed that we strongly expect one to address with students. 
uh, samples, like I'm looking at a document, and it's the kindergarten NL slash NM unit. It's unit four, the last one. It's called Foods I Eat. The two essential questions are, what do I like to eat and drink? And the second is, how do people eat around the world? So the content that we listed for that is common foods. It's as vague as that. It's just letting that teacher know, please bring foods into this unit somehow. <laughs> the next content that's listed is drinks. So, you know, a Chinese teacher can take from this what she wants and the Spanish teacher can take from it what he wants and both are doing the same unit. We do have some things that um, ensure language growth on the proficiency levels tucked in there. We The next thing listed is I like slash I don't like. So we know that's that memorized phrase, novice low level, j'aime, je n'aime pas, that kids are gonna use. So we expect that to be learned by the students at that level, at that unit, sorry. And then sometimes we'll have something such as food needs and we put in parentheses, I'm hungry, thirsty. So that kind of gets back to what I said to Rachel where we did identify, come on, let's make sure those kids at least know these two phrases, leaving that class, plus whatever others the students and teachers um, want to make sure students know. And finally, on this one particular unit, we have mealtime expressions. So sometimes in the content list, we tried to include something that was cultural. So we put in parentheses, example, bon appetit. So, you know, that would be relevant to a French class. We want to make sure every kid kind of knows that. Those were there to just kind of give the teacher enough guidance. So that's how our units are structured. Um, two things that we have developed so far that I'm pretty proud of. Um, one is called a curriculum at a glance. And this kind of came from my own need on the team. They were better than me at remembering the units and where they were. And I was like, I need a cheat sheet. Thus, this is a cheat sheet. So it's a color document. And the units that are specifically novice low focus are um, yellow-ish, goldenrod. Those that are novice mid focusing at that proficiency level are red. And those that are novice high are blue. Any units that are morphed between uh, levels, such as novice low slash novice mid, you know, think of your color wheel, they're orange because they're a little bit of yellow, a little bit of red. And the units that are novice mid slash novice high are purple because they're a little bit of red, a little bit of blue. And these are uh, posters that every teacher received. And they can have them on the wall, they can write on them, make little comments, move things, and so on. I'm a real visual person. So we have this curriculum at a glance document. The next thing that we have developed so far is um, assessments. And again, you know, Jefferson had a different um, I don't even know what to call it, but uh, raison d'etre, their, their reason why they did it. You know, the parameters they were given. We were given specific parameters to build a curriculum within. One of the parameters I was given was we have a lot of world language programs at the elementary level. We're very proud of that. We don't know what the kids know. We have no benchmarks. We have no, I don't want to say the word proof. I hate that word, but proof that our kids are learning. So with that said, these units kind of identify, hey, by the end of kindergarten, you should be novice low. You should be able to have enough language to be, check, you're novice low. By the end of second grade, you should have enough language to be a novice mid-student. 
and by the end of fifth grade, and I'm worried about this because some programs don't give enough time, but by the end of fifth grade, you should be novice high. With that said, we do have three benchmark assessments. So they're only checking to see if the student is at, at the novice low level or not. So we have benchmark assessments that are to be given by teachers to their students at the third nine weeks, the end of the third nine weeks of kindergarten, and it's just to see if they're novice low. And at the third nine weeks of second grade, to see if they're novice mid, and at the end of the third nine weeks for fifth grade, to see if they're novice high. Those assessments are interpersonal and presentational writing. So unlike Jefferson, we didn't do all the modes. The, most of these teachers only see their students 25 minutes at a time. And if you have 25 kids in the room, 25 minutes, you, it's just, you know, we had to weigh the reality with what we want, and this is what we came up with. Now, um, Jefferson's is, you know, Rachel had suggested to maybe email them to get full access to that wonderful Google document. Fayette County is flowing through the light bulb, and that's what it's called, light bulb, like, you know, shine Edison light bulb. And if you go to FCPS website and just click in the search uh, little tab, light bulb, you'll see a visual of a light bulb. <laughs> so I keep on saying this. On the light bulb, you're going to see lots of different pictures, and you'll see a little microscope, and it'll say science, and you'll see, I don't know all the visuals, but there's a visual for each content area. And world languages, I'm so proud. We're on the light bulb, and we're front and center. We're pink. I don't know why. And it's a globe that's like a speech bubble, and it says world languages. If you click on that, you will have full access to everything we have except for the assessments. So only teachers with FCPS emails can get the assessments. If you're interested in having those for educational reasons, please email me and you know I'm happy to share. But to the general public, we didn't want to say, hey, here's the test, even though the assessment for a kid should be no surprise. You know, it's what they've been doing all year uh, to that point. So that's where we are at this time. Our curriculum is fully inspired by Jefferson's. We give total you know, recognition of that. It's more of a condensed version, uh, cutting out, I think Rachel said six to eight units. So we got it down to four, so we did have to cut some of theirs out and condense and compact a little bit, but um, just to fit where we thought teachers would be a little bit more comfortable if they had one unit at nine weeks. It just helps in your brain, you know, make everything um, mathematically sound. But that's where we are in Fayette. We are beginning the process of, in January, we'll form a new team, and we will be taking this entire K through five curriculum, and here's the fun part, we're gonna collapse it and make a novice high curriculum. And the novice high curriculum will be for middle schools to use, and we anticipate level one at the high school level. So we're trying to get everybody on the same page as to what do we think a student in Fayette knows by the time they're novice high. And there should be some commonality now. Uh, of course, it'll take years for that to flow through, but we're excited about the work. It is huge. It's not something that I encourage a district for one person to sit in a corner of an office and do by themselves. You need a team. It takes time. Um, you need multiple iterations of it and working it through tweaks. We know ours has problems. Um, well, 
we don't know there's any problems, but we assume there's problems, <laughs> and we will be meeting with teachers to get their input if it's working or not. But so ours is available as well um, if you're interested in the K through five. But that kind of concludes our little curriculum sharing and discussion. Um, if you would like to have more information about the Fayette One, please feel free to email me at laura, L-A-U-R-A dot Roche, R-O-C-H-E at Fayette dot schools dot U-S, and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. But at this time, Jean Marie, do you have any polyglotting news to share at the university level? Yes, as you know, uh, November 1st is our annual World Language Day at the University of Kentucky. The morning will be dedicated to bringing in students from um, around the area who are currently in high schools studying languages. They'll visit two classes while they're on campus, and then that um, day will culminate for them with a group meeting of all the students with current students doing the 11 languages taught on UK's campus, as well as members of our alumni board, whose idea it was to make World Language Day not just for high school students visiting campus, which we're always happy to have, of course, but for all of our students to connect with alums. So the second half of the day, and if you alums are out there and have not yet received your invitation and would like more information, will be for alums and students. It'll begin at four o'clock with a talk by my colleague, Professor Molly Blazing, who is going to be talking about 20 Russians who will change the world. At 5.45 uh, will be the alumni student panel. There'll be a brief, introduction of each of the panelists about how language has affected them professionally and personally, either as current students at UK or as alums. The three alums will represent three distinct fields, uh, a Spanish teacher here in Fayette County, a business owner who studied French at UK, who owns a restaurant and a business here in Lexington, and a woman who works on violence against women who studied Arabic and at the Patterson School at UK. Oh, nice. And she works with the state of Kentucky. And then three of our current students, as I said, and it's followed by a reception. We would like, if you plan to attend, that you RSVP, um, and I can send you that link if you email me, uh, because we have to get account for the food, mm -hmm. of course. If there's any listeners um, who graduated from UK and minored or ma majored in a, in a world language, um, how can they be a part of this new group that's forming? If you want to join the alumni board, which helps to organize this event every year and support our students, then you can email me at j.rouhier at uky.edu. Or if you simply want to RSVP to the event, you can also email me and I'll send you the link. And what's one of the overall goals of the alumni board? The overall goals of the alumni board are twofold. The first is to help students understand the many pathways that language and cultural education can lead you toward from the classroom and far beyond. Uh, and to allow our students to network with alums. And the second is to provide support for the number one need that our students face, financial support to study abroad. So a lot of the alums are, you know, we hope if people can donate a little bit of money, 
they'll send uh, kids over. Right. The alumni board, which includes Laura Roche Youngworth, um, has has started a new fund um, for what we're calling research and education abroad for UK students of all levels, from graduate down to freshman, so they can do the work that they need to do in the countries of the world. And we promise not to call you and ask for money. Right. We will not do that. At least not yet. Um, <laughs> I've gotten two calls in the past month because, uh, you know, it's that time of year. It is that time at of year. The universities. Um, the first one called and College of Ed, which, you know, near and dear to my heart. And, you know, and you say no. And they're like, but can you not afford? And you're like, yeah, I could, but I don't want to. And finally I said, I'm donating to the alumni. <laughs> board. Well, I said, you know, I told her about the alumni board for modern and classical languages, literatures, and cultures. And she got silent. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And she goes, I'm a minor. And I can't remember. French. She's a French minor. She goes, I'm a French minor. What is this you're talking about? So I started telling her. And I said, our goal is to have some money for a student study abroad. She started just grilling me. It was really cute. She's like, when will this be available? I want to go abroad. (laughs) What is this turned into? (laughs) So finally, she was like, so will you donate? I'm like, no, I'm donating to this call. We got a call last night. And I told the guy, I said, no, I'm donating. And I hung up. My husband said, that was cool. (laughs) I said, yeah. So I've been trying to advertise to those trying to get money from us. I know. I'm trying. But um, anyway, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Anything else going on? Um, so there's there's that day. And then, of course, uh, in the spring, we're looking forward to having the showcase on campus again. Um, other than that, if you are interested in the cultural activities on campus, we have a new calendar that we're calling McClub, MCL Club. Um, and like there's it. a link right from the MCL page, and it shows you all the cultural and language events that the clubs are organizing, which oh, every week wow. are just amazing. For anything from Arabic coffee hour to last night, a Korean um, a documentary filmmaker was on campus showing her film and answering questions about it. So where can they access this again? So the address is mcl.as.uky.edu. And when that page opens up, there's a menu running across the top, and the rightmost link is MCL, all caps, M-C-L-U-B. Click on it, and there's an orange calendar that is all of our club events. And yeah, students are always that. welcome. Faculty are always welcome. Teachers are always welcome. So Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And sure. this wraps up our podcast on curriculum. I would like to thank Rachel Weinrich for coming and Jean-Marie Rouillet-Willoughby for co-hosting with me as always. And the University of Kentucky for producing and editing and all the wonderful magic they do on our podcast. This is Laura Rochelle Youngworth saying au revoir and happy teaching. <laughs>